I know you must have told this story a million times, but for the millionth and one, how did this come about? How did you meet one another? Ah, Tony will tell you that. Well, uh, Hunt and David and I uh, met and started working together about uh, 12, 13 years ago with uh, Jim Osterberg, Iggy Pop, uh, when we did the Lust for Life albums and tours. We always had a, fun, a good time, you know. A little over three years ago, uh, I ran into David uh, in Los Angeles, and uh, he told me about this guitar player that he had been working with. It was really great. And um, uh, the three of us, Hunt and David and I, got together in Los Angeles to have a play and just knock around some music. And uh, we thought, hey, let's go over and, uh, you know, play with... Uh, Reeves. We didn't think, hey, let's get a band together and go out and sell a lot of records and do the thing and do this and that and tour and, you know, and we just got together for a play and uh, it's an extended play. And we've regretted every second of it ever since we started. No. <laughs> no. Were you ever concerned that, that you would have the supergroup problem, you know, critics saying, oh no, another supergroup on the way? Nope, because we don't expect to change anybody's perceptions of what the band is. There's, um, ooh, cappuccino. Ah, the band. Do you like something? Oh, no thanks. A mandolin for the lady. <laughs> mandolin for the little lady. There's a song on here um, that talks about the nightmare stories that, that bands have. So I thought if you could relate that, relate sort of a nightmare story that you might have had with a band while you, when you were a kid or growing up or tour experiences or such that might come to mind. Nothing ever bad ever happened to me, ever. <laughs> the funniest thing that uh, happened, and it was a bit of a nightmare, was on the first uh, first show of the Diamond Dog Show. I had a contraption fixed into one of the skyscrapers that was an integral part of the set that put me out in front of the audience. It was like a hydraulic, it was the cherry picker bit. But um, is now is now known in love through the stones. Um, this was, well, this was 1974. Uh, and the cherry picker would place me out on a chair about 30 foot over the audience and about seven or eight rows out into the audience. And the first night we used it, it went wrong. And I, I finished the song, I think it was Space Odyssey, and it didn't go back. And I was just left there out over the audience. And I did, I think, about seven or eight songs out there until they figured a way of getting the hydraulics to work to pull me back in again. The audience probably had absolutely no clue that it had, anything had gone wrong. No, I think they just figured that I was just, you know, my usual wacky zany self. What about you, Tony? Have you had a, ni a nightmare story touring or playing in a band? I was uh, driving cross country with Ray Manzarek. I was playing guitar with Ray uh, and uh, we were in a Winnebago and uh, in Arizona somewhere, and one of the tires came off the car at about 60, 70 miles an hour off the van. And it, we spent the rest of the night, everyone in the van, looking for the tire. I mean, I don't know. My tires are coming off all the time. Maybe you need a new mechanic. Uh, that could be the problem. I like it. No, I, I have to specially fixed so that at a certain speed they will eject. <laughs>
Are you feeling jaded or anything by the business, or is it always sort of fresh and new? Thoroughly exhausted. Yeah, we got back from Harford last night about 2:30 in the morning, and I don't think I, I, I just didn't sleep until. I mean, it's, I slept on the bus until about 2:30, and then when we got in, I just didn't go back to sleep again until about five this morning. I'm absolutely shattered. It's an absolutely like, glamorous life being on the road. Maybe three hours a day sleep and uh, five hours traveling. And, I mean, if you've you know, never done it before, I think it probably it, it could be fun to uh, travel around like that. But I think once this is, I don't know, I've been toured maybe 15, 16 times I've done these kinds of tours. Um... Uh, the actual traveling procedure and the logistics of hotel moving is is, is just a bore. And you just end up living for the two hours that you're going to work on stage. There's only so many books that you can read on a bus before your eyes start going funny. There's, there's one song that I... Well, you went so far away. I can't. <laughs> there's one song that I really relate to because I'm getting married and I want to talk about Uh-oh. this. Uh-oh. You too, huh? <laughs> Don't make the mistake. <laughs> Do you believe in marriage? Oh, very much. Well, I have to at the moment because I'm getting married next year. <laughs> so, so at this moment, I'm very pro the idea. Yeah, I don't think there are any disadvantages whatsoever. I think it's a glorious union. <laughs> what can I say? Do you um is uh, do you find that that being on the road though can be taxing to a relationship, especially if you are married? Yeah, we both been married 130 times. I don't find it taxing at all because I have an absolute and complete commitment to my relationship. I find absolutely no problem with it whatsoever. Do you, are there any secrets? Uh, you know, what do you think is is you know the cause of a good relationship? Well, what's important to, you know, have that relationship? Trying very hard not to find yourself in a position where you want to change the person that you're with, that you've got to love them for what they are, exactly what they are. And you have to love the differences between you, and you have to respect the space between you. I think that's terribly important. So that's a very obvious example, but it's a, it'll do. It'll do. See, there's a, another song on here that's, that talks about a very disturbing topic. Um, if you could talk about that, shopping for girls. Yeah, I think ironically, the, uh, I noticed that the new edition of Rolling Stone has just done a feature on the prostitution trade in Thailand, which really accounts for a vast amount of tourist income for them at the moment. Uh, I know Thailand pretty well myself as well because I'm, I'm kind of, I travel a lot when I'm not working but as a tourist and uh, I've been over there several times and Indonesia. Uh, and I think there's nothing more pathetic than seeing an eight-year-old. Oh, at least, yeah, yeah it's, it's pretty... It's, it's just inhuman, eight-year-old children who are not only into prostitution, but they're also pretty, they're pretty much addicted to drugs by the time they're ten. And of course these days most of them have uh, at least HIV positive. I mean, it's just it's, uh, a very sad situation over there. Do you think uh, that music can really change the world? I mean, no. No. No, it can just reflect certain attitudes and certain stances from political positions. Uh, so I think there can, there can be strong elements of identification with music, but I don't ever... 
I've never thought the music could ever change anything. It's more of a mirror than anything else. For instance, a kid will pick up the new Tin Machine album. Do you think that they're going to read the lyrics, or are they yes. doing... Yeah. Definitely. We know that from the fan mail that we get. Uh, a lot of it is sunk home, and it's maybe brought an, a new awareness to some kids. But it's not going to change any minds. I mean, we had a song on uh, the first album, Under the God, uh, which was about uh, racism. Um, that was in 1989, and at that point we had a mail coming from both sides. We had kids who just said, yeah, you put into perspective what we feel is going on. And we had other kids who said, how can you possibly condone the, uh, uh, the idea of uh, uh, people of different colors living together and all that. So we probably lost a few people as well. Um, it's not going to change anything, but maybe it will polarize people's opinions more. When you were a kid, when you were a little boy, what attracted you to getting involved in, in rock and roll or in music? or? I just wanted to play a saxophone in the Little Richard band when I was eight. That was it, and that's what I knew I was going to do in life. Why Little Richard? What was it about him? He was the first artist that I really thought was just great. I thought his music was wonderful. And I just love the look of his band with all the saxophones in. What about, was it everything, you know, that you had expected it to be? Did it live up to your fantasies of it? I think you throw yourself so much wholeheartedly into it that it's kind of like asking, uh, this, did life live up to your expectations eventually? I think my expectations changed or continually. What I wanted out of rock and roll when I was uh, 18 was very different to what I want out of it now. But, uh... I think on the whole, it's, I, I wouldn't have picked another career, I think. Possibly I couldn't ever have had a more interesting, uh, thoroughly bewildering time had I picked anything else. She changes, where's your shame? You've left us up to her accident. Time may change me, you can't twist time. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.